Hi, this is Bill Prater, and welcome to Business Builder Show, where we feature champions in their respective industries from all over the globe. Our mission is to provide you with timely, provocative, and actionable resources that inspire, promote, and accelerate your quest for business excellence. Today, we're going to find out all about engineering equity from Wilbur Milhouse. Now, Wilbur is an award winning entrepreneur who's transformed over 30 years of diversified uh, civil and structural engineering experience into a global enterprise that has drawn national attention and continues to do. In December 2001, from the basement of his home in Chicago's Southside, Wilbur launched a startup business called, believe it or not, Millhouse Engineering and Construction. He had the vision to create a better engineering firm, one driven by the desire for greatness for his clients and for the communities, and his vision came true. Over the course of the last 20 plus years, the Millhouse brand has grown into a family of seven companies employing 500 team members, and the brand offers solutions in civil, mechanical, electrical, structural, environmental engineering, as well as construction, program management, and vegetation management, and groundskeeping. Wilbur, with all of those companies and this brand of yours, who do you serve, actually? Well, we serve a host of different entities on the public side, from Chicago Department of Aviation, Chicago Department of Water Management, Every dot known to man, I dot, C dot, various other dots throughout the country, as well as ports. So New York, New Jersey, Port Authority, and that it's heavily many of our public kind of institutions in which we serve. And then we have a lot of privates as well. And the utility space as a whole is one of our major privates as well as developers and different universities and, and things like that. So we, as you mentioned, get involved in various different spaces from aviation, water, wastewater, gas and power and facilities, environmental and, and program management, project management, construction, hard bid. Um, we, we get involved in lots of things, which encompasses all types of engineering that we bring to the table and architects that we employ and have come and do our services. One of the one key pieces that I figured out very early on is get being able to get individuals that may not have chosen the path in which I chose. So that's why we got into construction and we got into our services, Millhouse Services business that does landscape and snow removal, because it gives us an opportunity to reach individuals that may not have chosen the path to go to a four-year college, but may do very great work and really want to work hard and have individuals that we can bring on in those areas as well. So that's heavily the individuals that we serve and heavily the people in which we bring in to help serve our different clients. Okay, in a bit, I'm going to ask you how people can get a hold of you. And that would include some of the people that you mentioned with the last business or so. Heather, this universe of, of stakeholders in your organization, what are some problems that you have identified, Wilbur, that you and your firm can solve for people or for entities? 
heavily we get involved in big programs. So if a city decides they're going to rebuild their airport or rebuild all of their school system or do a, a very large program, we get involved in that by providing program managers, by providing schedulers and cost estimators, providing engineers to design and providing individuals that will go out and monitor and make sure all of those things are being put together properly. And so those, those are the different ways in which we solve those problems by bringing all of these different, very talented individuals together to basically break down all of those pieces to accomplish the goal of bringing it in on time and on budget, because having the ability to stay on budget can be very difficult, especially in the engineering and construction space. So you have to have some pretty talented people to be able to do that. And that's heavily the problem in which we saw for most of our clients by making sure that these things are designed properly, that they're engineered properly and executed properly. Excellent. I'm going to ask you how you typically go about solving these problems you articulated and maybe the easiest way for our listeners to comprehend is if you could give us a couple of case studies, maybe one from the pr public sector, another one from the private sector, and walk us through how the project got envisioned, what stage you guys were invited in, what took place during the, the construction period, and then how you, how you wrap things up and uh, debrief the project. So if you can do maybe two, that'd be fantastic. Okay. One of the things in which we get heavily involved in is really digging into projects at the very beginning and early on portions of it, where we come in and scope out what it is that our clients are looking for and what is the end result that they're looking to have, helping walking them through scoping those things out, figuring out what that is. And one great example of that is the O'Hare Modernization Program. O'Hare Modernization Program was a program that took O'Hare Airfield, which had crossing runways and a very beginning aviation kind of layout to parallel system runways and adding additional runways and adding all kinds of new technology, new drainage systems, and teeing things up for eventually being able to add new terminals for O'Hare. And visualizing that took many years of going through FAA approvals, definitely laying things out and showing them graphically and being able to articulate that and show that and then going into hard engineering of all of those things and then finally construction overseeing of construction and then finally opening it up and uh, landing on those runways and and I, I can tell you from the birth of our firm almost and, and being a part of all of those different stages and working through all of those different pieces. It's very eye-opening to how long a process that is, as well as how intricate and, and how detailed it is. It's a lot of work and a lot of people uh, getting involved, but O'Hare is the better for it and being able to service more airlines, airplanes, and be able to do it in a safe way. That's one well, in which, go ahead. Okay, I, I, I wanna, I, well, before you leave O'Hare Project, 
that that sounds like negotiated work to me. Did are, were you are you able to get in there before they they constructed the bids and so forth? Yeah, on the engineering side is QBS, so quality okay. based selection. So it's not low bid from an engineering perspective, Good. and and that's how all of that work was formalized. So all of the upfront engineering was definitely that way. When it comes to construction in Illinois, especially in the city, it's definitely low bid. We don't participate on the construction side at O'Hare, or haven't been, but we definitely oversee those contractors and validate and make sure that they're putting in exactly what was designed to be put in. Excellent. So that would be the construction program management phase of your business. Exactly. Uh, so I like to, I love that model of yours. You just explained. Okay, give it. You started to to launch into another case study. Yeah. And one of the other sides of looking at how we get involved from the beginning to the end and how intricate it is, looking at on the private side, many developers have an idea of what they're thinking of doing. And those things change based on economies and based on what's going on in the market and desires of the public. And and we have been fortunate enough to get involved in various different big developments from the very, very beginning when we thought the development was going to be an entire neighborhood full of houses and schools and libraries and community centers to what changed into needing to go towards commercial use and industrial use, which is out in the Pullman area, there was a steel factory that um, had closed many years ago, and we rehabilitated that land by going through various different EPA cleansings and coverings and re furbishing that that entire site and that took years of process and then we went through and started laying out different plans for what this area can be and what it became was a very thriving economic center for commercial use where Walmart is out there and various other stores and then various different industry took over more space right behind so it, it ended up changing along the way, but it was definitely something that was needed for the community and still is thriving today. By just those two stories you told me, I can see how attractive you are to professionals and construction people and groundskeepers and so forth, because you're you're not doing a little simple little jobs at all, are you? No, not at all. We get involved in very big things and very, very yeah, I, things. I, I can tell you one of my favorite projects ever was doing a small park project on Chicago South Side. It was one of the first of its kind, a skate park. I know okay. there's skate parks all around the country, but it was the first of its kind for Chicago Park District. I, I forget how many years ago this was, um, but doing that project really as I still drive by it today, I look and see the kids over there going at it. And it's one of the most rewarding projects that I've done. You definitely get big rewards out of being able to land on a runway in which you've designed, sure. but you get great rewards by just looking over at a park and see people enjoying it too. That's beautiful. Thank you very much. I have a little inkling that this next question you're going to nail, and that <laughs> is, uh, Wilbur, what, how are you guys 
differentiate yourself vis-a-vis your competitors. I know that you're in a giant metropolitan area, factor all over the country. There's all kinds of people with huge credentials out there, big monster uh, engineering firms and so forth. So how do you guys differentiate your yourself? I think it's the way we care about our people. I, I think because the way we take care of our people and care about our people and invest in them and, and really take care of them and really get them to understand we have to take care of our clients feel that they see that they they welcome that because we want our clients to feel that we're a joy to work with and not yeah. adversarial. We want to be a partner with our clients and be a resource and an added value. And I believe that really has become our secret sauce. And it all starts with how you treat your people. If you treat your people well, they tend to be more upbeat and tend to want to treat the clients well and want to do a great job because they like what they're doing and they like who they're working for. And that kind of is our secret sauce, if you will, or our differentiator. And I, I think having diversity in our workforce as well is is really a secret sauce, if you will, or, or really helps us really continue to bring different thoughts, different mindsets to the table and saying, hey, why aren't we thinking of this versus that? And, and making sure that we're staying on our toes. Yeah, I can imagine in one of your company affairs, there would be people making less than $20 an hour and people in the room making $250 an hour plus. That's, exact, that's exactly right. That's I would exactly. imagine in being able- And they're all having fun. We, we, like, to say fun. we, work, we all like to say we work hard and play hard. Yeah, I can, I can envision <laughs> it. I can, as you've told me a little bit before we started too, I think he's got that nail. That's a real problem. Just even different age groups, let alone different compensation and skill sets and value, if you will, perceived value. Yeah, hmm. really value the age group gap kind of thing because the way I learned to be an engineer was from a senior engineer. And the way I built this business was recruiting a lot of retired and senior engineers to come and help me build it and to help teach myself and other individuals. Heck, when I started this company 22 years ago, I didn't know everything. And of course, I don't know everything about all the different types of engineering that we do. So having those great individuals come in helping out. They love it because they come in for a couple of months. They get to share with individuals their craft and then they get to go away and go on vacation or do what they want to do. So it, it becomes a web. Let's go back 22 years and and bring us through the journey. Why in the world did you decide to build your own firm? You must have been offered multiple jobs that paid well, no risk. Tell us about how that all took place. I, I have to say it probably started from just watching many entrepreneurs around me and my family. You think about these things later, Bill. And But my mother was an entrepreneur. My aunt was an entrepreneur. And many other individuals in my family were entrepreneurs that were fairly successful in their own right. And just watching them go through the struggles and up and ups and downs and, and doing decent at it. But for whatever reason, in college, me and a buddy of mine always talked about owning our own engineering firm. We would talk about it. 
we'd never think about why we were talking about it, but we just were talking about doing that. Lo and behold, we get out of school. We're both working in the engineering space. And yes, I definitely was fortunate enough to work at some very all-star firms in the Chicagoland area. And one day he goes off and starts his company. And I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. And then I go and start a company with a guy or joined a company with a guy and was employee six. And during that partnership, it didn't go so well. And I stepped back from that. And then I joined another firm and I told the guy who owned the firm, owned the firm I said, I can be here six months or I can be here two years, but I want to start my own firm. I was there six months to the day. And then I started this. And during that process, you go through, I wasn't ready to really start a firm. I hadn't put together the right business plans. I hadn't thought through it all, but it was an opportunity that presented itself to me that I said, hey, this may be the opportunity to help me launch. And going through the first year, I did all right. I really was able to sustain some clients and win some work and do some things. And I said, okay, we may be off to the races here. But that was like in 2002, right after 9-11. And our world was changing. And financially, our world was changing. And many of those projects that I had won in 2002 was slow and starting, very slow and starting. And I had some work that I knew was going to end around Marchish, And I went around and I would call on those projects every month. And I knew if it didn't start March 1st, I was going to be in real trouble. And lo and behold, I gave a call and none of them were ready to start. And so I said, all right, I have a, a tough decision to make. By rules of having a company with your license, your PE license, I couldn't just go work as a professional engineer at another company. Mm -hmm. That violate the professional engineering license sitting at my company. And so I didn't want to just go and sneak and do it and have a company. I I didn't want to do that. And I said, I can go and throw boxes for UPS. (laughs) or I can deliver pizza at night. So I used to deliver pizza when I was in college. And that was one of the many jobs. Already, okay, good. One of the many jobs that I had while I was in college. I said, I can deliver pizza at night. It's cash every night. And that probably would be great. So that's what I did. During the same period of time that I was filling out paperwork, doing all kinds of stuff, getting ready to land and win one of the biggest catalyst projects of our company. At night, I was delivering pizza, driving my Mazda 626, crying behind the wheel, wondering, what am I doing? But getting through that point from probably March through September of 2003, it was tough. But it really showed me a bit of who I am and the staying power that I have and the vision to be able to tough it through, losing it all, if you will, and then really building it back up brick by brick, step by step along the way, and really being able to create what we've created today with as many great people as we have today. And I couldn't do this without all the great people that we have. But that's the story. And each time along the way, one of my desires was to try to figure out how we can be different than everybody else. 
So doing civil engineering and, and construction management and structural engineering at the beginning wasn't enough because there was a lot of competition. So I said, well, what about MEP? What about doing something a little different? And then so we got into that space and then we got into the space of doing some program management, project management. Then we got into the space of doing environmental. And that's how we built and brought on all of these different types of things that we're getting involved in right now. Tell us some of the key people that you're able to attract along the way. I know you're very heavily team oriented. And so you're the coach. You're trying to build your team. Yeah. Where do you find people? And you mentioned a couple of senior retirees and so forth, but give us a few stories about people. One of the greatest stories, I, I think I told you about delivering pizza. My first client was the Metropolitan Water Reclamation District. And that particular client does all of our wastewater for all of Cook County in Illinois. And at the time, that organization had the largest wastewater treatment plant in the world. It's a very large wastewater treatment plant. I think the largest one now is somewhere in China. Um, working for them was like really great. And I would go and see them and talk with various different people over there. And their chief engineer was very kind to let me come in and chat with him related to various different things that they had coming up and all of that kind of jazz. So that was a great organization to start with. He had two assistants. One's name was Irma. One's name was Ann and a Jan. So I would go in and of course you learn if you get to know the assistants, they help you see the very hard people to go and catch up with. And they loved me because I would come in and I would talk to them and I'm just being very kind. And one day I'm out delivering pizza during that three month period that I told you about, or not three months, we're from March until September, however many months that was. More than three. <laughs> More than three. And I'm out delivering pizza right here on Michigan Avenue. And I go to this building and I'm delivering this pizza to this tall building. And I go up there and this particular pie, they wouldn't let me take up to the unit. The person had to come down. Lo and behold, here comes walking towards me as Jan, one of my major clients assistants. I'm panicking. I go, what do I say? I, I go, well, who am I delivering this pizza to? I look at it and I'm delivering my pizza to Jane. I'm like, oh no. So she came up. She goes, Wilbur, how you doing? What's going on? I said, I'm well, good to see you. And I lift up her pizza. She goes, you're delivering. I said, sometimes you got to do what you got to do. And then she said, okay. And then we did the exchange. I knew she would tell him. And I called the next day. I said, Jan, I want to talk to Joe. I know you're going to tell him I'm out delivering pizza, but I just want to tell him what's going on. I go in whatever day it was to chat with him. And he heard me out and heard me talking about what's been going on. And he looked at me and he said, well, we're one of these days I'm going to end up working for you. Joe Zurad is the name of the guy, and he's been with us for about the last 17, 18 years. And you talk about one of our key hires. He's probably one of the smartest individuals that I know. And he retired away after being at the Metropolitan Water after 35, almost 40 years. He probably works harder than anybody over here. 
He's the wow. first guy in, last guy to leave. You talk about one of the key hires. He is, it was the talk of the town because all of the big name institution engineering outfits, whether it's Jacobs now and Acom and Greenlee and Hans and all those big names wanted him to come and work for them. But he chose a crazy guy like myself to come and uh, help build a company. He has definitely been one of the instru instrumental individuals to help really formulate this thing. And then Dawa da Dawson, who has also been with us for 17 years, she came from Olorola. Her ability to really understand the moment and be able to take hold and take charge and fix any situation, any problem. She handles, she's the CEO of our business side of our company today. So all things business, she handles, but she's one of those key individuals that I couldn't be doing this whatsoever without her. That's fantastic. So management-wise, do you, with these different businesses. How do you manage those? You mentioned her and she's the COO and so forth, but there's different things going on. So what's sure. your philosophy of management? Usually we don't get involved in those things. And we take Jim Collins approach first to who, then to what. And depending on the skill sets of that individual, we generally figure out what it is that we're going to be getting involved in and what we're going to be doing. When it came to construction, Joe Petritus was one of the individuals that had spent a lot of time in that space, and he heads up that. And we call those individuals GLs, group leaders. Okay. Uh, he's a vice president of the company as well, but we generally pick individuals that have a heavy skill set in those different areas to be able to carry out and execute what I call the four main things, which is they're the main person that's responsible for the financial health of their group. They're the main person responsible for the people and the edification of those people for quality uh, of what's going on and winning work. You, you got to have those four main things on tight and those individuals and in all of the different groups basically have those skill sets and we ask them to lead those different groups. So how about planning and so forth? Do you, do you have a, a plan for the entire enterprise and then one for each of these groups? How do you oh, oh, give us an idea of your planning process? Yeah, each year we go through a business planning refresh. Okay. Uh, where right now, probably starting with September almost now, in October, we're going to be refreshing those business plans and taking a look at why are we doing what we're doing and should we be changing and doing something different and refreshing those and putting those together for me to review by end of year, beginning of year. So we can say, yes, we're going to keep doing this or we're going to change to do this or that. How successful are, are we at it? I'm a firm believer in always figuring out how we can be better. And so we take a look at these things and say, should we even be doing this or not? Do we really have the skill sets to make a go at this long term? Or is this a blip where we had one opportunity, but we can't sustain it? All of those questions, we ask those hard questions of ourselves each and every year to 
keep validating that we're moving in the right direction. So we, we're going to be coming up on our planning session where we'll be doing a lot of that with budgets. And then we have a summit every beginning of the year, right around Dr. Martin Luther King's birthday, right before it. We almost take from Thursday through that Monday where we go off and really present these things, talk about leadership, talk about various different things that's important to the company, figuring out where we're going and and making sure that we're all aligned and moving in the same direction. Excellent. So in addition to delivering pizzas, <laughs> how else did you go about financing the business, Wilmer? Honestly, every time I would hire early on, hire a new person, I would stop taking salary myself. So very early on, it was me doing the work and then I would hire one person. So I would stop. And then many of my public sector clients, it sometimes take 60 to 90 days to get paid. And once I started getting paid from that, then I would money back up and pay off my American Express bills and all that kind of jazz. And I would start that cycle over and over again. We had some good team members that we were subs to that sometimes would advance as payment. But getting a line and getting a loan uh, during those early years were just something that wasn't in the cards for us. I didn't own a house that... I had a bunch of equity in and I wasn't independently wealthy and I didn't have big sponsors. So it was really, truly step by step, inch by inch, person by person. I remember the day that we brought on three people at the same time. It was pretty challenging to take those cuts for that long, but we started to really, um, gain in dollars and and be able to get real cash. And I leveraged all of the early dollars that I made from a profit standpoint and poured it right back into the business. And that's why we've had pretty consistent growth almost at 20% year over year. Excellent. Excellent. I guess my last question would re revolve around your vision for the future. So what do you see holding yourself back right now? Nothing's really holding us back except probably talent. The lack of talent or the need for training new talent is a slow process. Mm -hmm. And for us, we're not going to compromise quality. And, and so... Us going to the moon, if you will, is, is basically tethered with us being able to find the who, finding those right people um, and attracting them to want to come over and be with us. Many people like to, the big, sexy firms, and I'm not mad at that. I used to like it, too. But I'm creating a big, sexy firm is actually pretty fun. Yes, but, I can I bet it is. <laughs> Talking about creating your firm, how do people get a hold of your listeners? It seems to me that we've got people listening to us that could be potentially your employees, people that can be your subcontractors and vice versa, potential customers. All those people listening would like to get a hold of you. So how do they go about doing it? 
The best way is on our website, www.millhouseinc.com. That, that is truly the best way. We have info centered there. Inside of that website also will send you to our career options. It'll tell you about our charity, Millhouse Charities, and how you could potentially get involved and help us out and making sure we're giving back in the community and all of the communities in which we work. That's uh, a key important thing for us in our DNA of who we are and what we do. Um, but that would be the place. Excellent. So here's my final question. All right. I don't right. have it. I don't have it. What is the one question that I should have asked you, Wilbur, that I didn't, couldn't think of, that that you would pose and answer that would be great value to our listeners? Wow, that, that, that one's a challenging one. Great value to the listeners. What's the meaning of life for me is to make life meaningful. And so if I were asking a question or didn't get asked that question, what is the meaning of life? to make life meaningful. And if you're working someplace or you're dealing with a, a client or a, a customer that doesn't understand to make it meaningful, then choose us. You'll, you'll see the difference. Yes, I've got a good sense of that. Thanks, uh, Wilbur. I appreciate it very much. I loved your candor. I like your business philosophy. I like the fact that you're primary vision is being different and better than everybody else out there because it's definitely a noisy space that you're in sure sure thank you i appreciate the time everybody in closing let's focus on the single fact that our businesses do not get, become extraordinary in a single moment instead they get there as a result of the owner first formulating a strategic vision second having a management system that will allow you to execute that vision. And finally, number three, leveraging high-performance teams. Now, you can get your hands on those three tools. Just go to Business Mastery Pro, and you can get your hands on them for absolutely zero cost. It'll help you out. Thanks for listening. Wilbur, thanks for spending your time with us today. Thank you.